1: All right, I was just checking all the streams to make sure everything was up and live, and we are here with you today on a Monday, and the program is back. We're back on a Monday. i so glad to be with you. So glad to be looking you directly in the eye on the live streams, or if you're catching us on the podcast, I'm glad to be in your ears. Hey, don't forget to support the program by going to patreon.com slash on the right, and uh, if you don't want to do that avenue, we have another avenue for you. You can just go straight over to paypal.com or sorry, paypal.me. I always get it wrong. Paypal.me slash Stacey on the right. And you can donate there. Now, why do we ask for donations? Well, we're doing radio ourselves now. We're independently syndicated. We've now we've five syndic- uh, five affiliates. Now we have B100, uh, which is out of Atlanta, Georgia, but they broadcast on iHeartMedia And then we have, obviously, KEQQ out of Grand Forks, and then our three affiliates that were originally with us, they're already up on the blog. I have to update the affiliate page on the blog to reflect our new additions, and so... Fantastic. I'm so glad to just to be here. Just obviously to still be doing radio. Um not just a live stream or something or not just something on YouTube. Um I, maybe she's doing something on YouTube. Maybe I don't know. Maybe she's doing No. We're doing we're live streaming to YouTube. We're live streaming to Facebook. We're live streaming to stacyontheright.com. As if that's not enough, this is being recorded and later on today it's going to go live like 30 minutes after the show is over. It'll be live and all of the links will be there for you on today's episode. Um, that's over at fireside. Fireside is our podcast host. So we're not just doing a little something or live streaming somewhat or something like that. No, we're here. Um, we're still doing the same program we were doing before same clock. So if you want to pick it up, it's here for you, it's available. And it's the same host, same. Um, I don't know if it's like a manic delivery or, you know, it's like I'm all hopped up on, uh, you know, Mountain Dew and ready to kick scissor kick you in the back of the neck, whatever. It's still the same. Um, The person who carries it or the syndication method, that has always been up in the air for so many different radio hosts. And if you follow the industry, you know that all over the country, um, radio hosts, switch jobs. They go into one station, they come out, they go to another one. Um, radio hosts often will go from podcast to terrestrial, terrestrial to podcast. Sometimes you see them go to syndicated and then back to local, local to syndicated. If you look at the career of any radio host, you see them going through a lot of different changes because the industry is so malleable. And that's kind of what makes it so exciting, but it also makes it kind of scary pants. And so going through this process, I've learned a lot. Um, I regret nothing. I, it was not my doing that caused AFR to separate and, and to go another way with that hour that they were giving me every day. Um, but the hour is still there. The two to three PM hour is still available on my time slot. I, I still have that time slot open. And so we're doing a show. So glad to be here with you. <laughs> Wanted to make a couple of clarifying comments there. So, uh, today on the show, um, we're going to chat next segment actually. We're going to have the managing editor of PJ Media, Paula Bulliard. Paula Bulliard is someone I've known for years, Um just in kind of the blogger industry and writing world. And she's been around for a long time. She's written, like I couldn't even begin to list all of the different places she's written for or the breadth of her knowledge base, except to say that she's an expert and well-respected. And she has been on the program before. So this will be her first time coming on in our new medium. But I'm excited about that. So she actually has, and this is what's so great. Um, she has a an article up, and it's about, it's interesting. It's, it's really, this article she has up is about a guy who is no longer a Christian. So you're probably thinking to yourself, well, who, I mean, why is that a big deal? Well, the guy I'm speaking of, he's written a bunch of books. Um, He's he's really huge in the uh, homeschool world, but he's also huge in the world of people. Like if if you're a Christian at all, you may have heard of him. Um, If you do any reading at all, like a, we were talking about that survey last week of the people who actually aren't Christians, they're agnostics, they're atheists, but they also are very knowledgeable about religion and Christianity and Judaism. And so the guy, his name is Josh Harris. And the reason he's in the news and the reason we're going to talk about today on the show is because this impacts Christendom. And I have some important like distinctions I want to make about the story because of course, whenever someone prominent defects from Christianity, you'll hear people say, Oh no, there's going to be another wave of defections. Oh no, what this means is that Christianity is weak or that the faith has suffered a huge blow. The faith as in. The thing that we're practicing, the relationship that we're trying to develop and work on and, and the sanctification that we're constantly seeking God to continue to work out in our lives is not dependent upon any one man. That's, that's why we believe what we believe because Jesus Christ was a man, but he is, and he understands our flesh, but he was God the whole time. So we don't have to rely on someone who could walk away. We never have to worry about Jesus Christ saying, you know what? I was wrong about Christianity because that's what this guy, Josh Wood, he, he basically said he was wrong about everything about his views on same sex marriage, his views on uh, just you name it. He, and he's written a lot. Um, his book that you might have read or heard of, it was a bestseller all over the country called I kiss dating goodbye. He's been married for 20 years. He's divorcing his wife. So it's a multifaceted announcement. He's divorcing his wife. He's leaving Christianity and I believe he's going to have some more announcements that I don't know anything. You know, I I don't talk to Josh Wood. I've never met him before. But the sounds of what he's leading up to here, these announcements and their order and and the way he's kind of uh, kind of laying the land here makes me think there will be other announcements. So that's fine. He's free to do whatever he wants, but he does not materially damage Christianity because he has made a wrong decision. His choice to leave the faith does not change Christianity, what it is, how we practice it or what we believe. But we're going to delve into this with uh, Paula because her perspective on this is unique. And I, I just so enjoyed this article. It is linked in the show notes and you'll see that at 330 if you're looking for that. Um, you could share the article. So a little bit of uh housekeeping. I was on The Blaze this weekend, so awesome. Um Andrew Wilkow interviewed me about blacks, Democrats, and what's going on with the party. And um I, I hope they'll have me back, but if in any case, I was on there and I shared the link on Facebook, so you can check it out, you can watch it. Um he, he has a fantastic show. You guys know he, he's he's awesome. Uh so yeah, what else is on the show today? Well, besides this Josh Harris thing, um we've got pr- the president decrying gutless antifa and he's actually now weighing putting antifa um in the the category of groups that are actually doing terrorism, so terrorist groups. What this means for Americans, and for specifically for law enforcement, is that law enforcement will have additional tools and remedies that they can use against Antifa that they can't currently use against them because they say that they're protesters, and we have the right by the First Amendment to protest in public. Under certain parameters, obviously there are rules, but we have the right to do that. So Antifa uses that right to their benefit so that they can actually you know, crack skulls, bust heads, destroy property, set police cars on fire, attack grandmas and grandpas who are just standing there with a sign. That, that's how they roll. The president is considering placing them in the same category as terrorist groups, which I, I believe that's what they're doing. They terrorize people into not showing up to protest or to, to have a, a moment where they can just express themselves in public. Um So we're also going to talk about. Our U.S. health system. Just a quick news blurb. Uh, apparently, our U.S. health system covers ninety percent of the people in our country. Ninety percent, and that means illegal aliens as well. That means visa overstays. That means you know anybody who's actually here, who's a warm body, who needs medical care, gets cared for by our medical system. So I I just want to just put this nugget in your ear before we because I'm going to run down the rest of these topics. What other uh, system? Public system, public private system, whatever you want to call it, has a effectiveness rate of 90%. Now, I'm not saying everybody gets the result they want or they get the kind of care that they think they deserve. I mean, it's really funny to me that so many people feel they deserve healthcare, but they don't feel like they need to pay for it. But, you know, again, America, we have a social safety network and we, we take care of everyone. But what's funny or interesting or comical about this is there aren't any other groups that have that. Even the insurance industry only covers 80% of Americans because 20% of the people just won't, they won't buy insurance. So we'll talk about that. The Supreme Court has also announced that the president can use his uh Pentagon funds for the border wall. I saw some stories over the weekend that said that that was going to be um replacing existing wall, which again, I understand we have some dilapidated wall and more power to you, but how about all that open, wide open, empty space? How about putting some wall up on that? And then Another study confirms, and we may not get to this today, uh, but I want to just preview, wait for it, criminals break laws. So this is a gun story um, from Amoland.com, and I can't wait to kind of get into that and unpack it. So first, let's get into this uh, this this announcement by the president about Antifa. So you guys know, if you if you want to learn like about the roots and origins of Antifa, I wrote a huge deep dive piece about them uh, last year for America's First Freedom, an NRA publication. And it was their cover story. And you can find that article in its entirety at StaceyOnTheRight.com if you want to check it out. Now, the president is actually decrying Antifa. He calls them gutless. And he's been on a little bit of a roll. If you've been following his Twitter feed, um, you've seen that he's kind of saying things that we think. He's kind of saying things that maybe we've said in passing to each other. But it's not okay to say out in the media space because it's the kind of blunt truth that gets people unfriended on Facebook or told that they're not you're not a good person you you know that kind of stuff and I get it um I, I get it I get it you, like <clears throat> some people don't want to hear it they don't want to hear the truth but that's okay um the president doesn't seem to care so he said on Saturday this was Saturday and this is interesting because. This is the weekend. This is when the news people are not paying as much attention and the president is like, "Yeah, you don't have to pay attention because I'm talking to my I'm talking to my people right now." Um he says he's considering declaring the far-left Antifa activist group a terrorist organization that would equate it with the MS-13 street gang. He's also saying he would probably in the same fell swoop also declare MS-13 as a terrorist organization, which they are. Um it, you know what I'm saying? That like this is this is where, if he were to do something like this, it would just seal up 2020 for him. I think because a lot of Americans don't understand why these groups are allowed to operate within our country with impunity. So I, I I think it's a fantastic idea, but we'll see what he actually does. Um, so this tweet is coming on the heels of Senator Bill Cassidy, who's a Republican from Louisiana. If you want a fun Twitter feed to follow, uh, Senator Bill Cassidy. He has a really snarky, fun, fact-filled Twitter feed. It's it's great. You should check it out. And then, of course, Republican Lion Ted Cruz, both of them introduced non-binding legislation that would designate the group as a domestic terrorist organization. And uh, Cassidy actually issued a statement. He said, Antifa are terrorists, violent mass bullies who fight fascism with actual fascism, protected by liberal priv- privilege. Bullies get their way until someone says no. Elected officials must have courage, not cowardice, to prevent terror. So at a Senate hearing last week, Cruz asked FBI Director uh, Christopher Wray if he could investigate Antifa under the Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act. You, You know that act as the RICO Act. Ray responded that the bureau recognizes Antifa as more of an ideology than an organization. Now, I I get what Ray is saying. He's taking textbook definitions and he's applying it to the group as described. And he's saying by the definition of what they are, because they're loosely formed and they don't have a headquarters or a chapter or anything like that, that they are this, uh, you know, in other words, they're an ideology. But he did add that the FBI takes seriously any violence that's committed on behalf of an ideology. Now, my problem with that is, it, that's great for, like, talking around a committee hearing. It's fantastic that Christopher Ray can, you know, answer that question correctly according to the books when he's sitting up talking to senators in a very safe environment with, you know, armed men with guns outside the door. It's a totally different thing when you're Andy No, who is not a conservative, by the way. He's an openly gay man who, you know, is also a reporter, and he happens to be a, an Asian American. And he was in Portland, Oregon. And remember, we were kind of railing about this on the show when it happened Andy was actually beaten and his GoPro camera was hit off of his head with some instrument. He was beaten in the face. He suffered a brain bleed because of the trauma and they threw milkshakes that they'd filled with uh quick cement. Now we think of quick cement. I know if you're like me and you're a rehabber of any kind, quick cement is like, it's, it's like the duct tape of the outdoor world. Like quick cement can fix almost anything. Well, what we don't realize, because I don't actually touch the quick cement with my hand, I always have gloves on whenever we're using it at home. Um, Sometimes we have double gloves because it is caustic. And what happens is if you put it in a liquid and throw it on someone, that active ingredient stays on the person and it can burn them like an acid burn. That's Antifa. So I think Christopher Ray should get a little more serious about the handling of it by the FBI. We'll be back with Paula after this. Stay there.
0: Okay, forest animals. Kids are coming to the forest, and it's up to us to make their visit a good one. Sparrow, have you practiced the most popular bird songs for the year? Of course. Catchy, I like it. River, how's the temperature? It's a refreshing 52 degrees, man. I love it. Uh, turtle, he's not here yet, man. Uh, he's late every morning. Okay. Squirrel! The forest has been preparing just for you. To learn more about cool things to do in the forest, visit discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council.
2: My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much
0: better after my son
2: told me, Mom, we'll figure it out.
0: When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much. I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. You win. Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. When is the best time to talk to your family about staying in touch during a disaster? When floodwaters reach your door? When wildfires are engulfing the edge of your neighborhood? Or an earthquake is destroying buildings? Or is the best time, perhaps, today? During a disaster, you may not be able to stay in touch with your family or friends as easily as you think. Go to ready.gov slash communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. This is how we do every day. We be And if you want to come and us... If you love them enough to turn off your music... And pretend like their music is your music... Ah, oh, this is Mommy's jam! then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're in the right car seat. Let's
2: play it again.
0: Check today at NHTSA.gov the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Act Council.
2: Hi, I'm Danica Patrick. Watching my nieces grow, play, and learn is amazing, but not every child gets to be carefree. One in six kids in the U.S. are hungry. This breaks my heart, and it's something that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and gives it to families in need. To help, visit feedingamerica.org.
1: Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council.
0: Welcome back to Spacey on the Right.
1: Hey, welcome back to the show. Uh, so I'm sorry that I missed notification from Awesome Noah that we had a caller. If we still have that person, welcome to the show. Thanks for calling in. <laughs> <laughs> Let me look and see if we still have the caller in the queue here. Hmm. Okay, I don't think we do. Um, so in <clears throat> in just a couple of minutes, we'll have Paula Bolliard for you. Um, but I, w- I want to make clear, if, I know there are American citizens who are participating in Antifa events. And I even had someone when I was tweeting about the awfulness of Antifa, they tweeted me and said, just like you don't want white supremacists affiliated with the right, you can't just blanket affiliate, um, Antifa with the left. But Antifa actually gets defended by leftists on CNN. You never see Republicans or people on the right conservatives defending white supremacy and and things like that. Um, oh, so we still have. Okay. Um, I'm sorry about that. I was just seeing a message. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Yeah. I think it's our guest. Can we put the caller who's in there? the caller through i think it's paula bull you're calling in uh for her interview so this is our first time having um well actually we did have cassie smedley on uh the first week we were doing the podcast but now we're on all new systems so yeah um and i'm talking to noah like he's on the the yes let's take her <laughs> live radio guys um Okay, so so as I was saying, we w- what we have is this it's this just crazy acceptance of what they're doing. And okay, perfect. So I'd like to welcome Managing Editor of PJ Media, pjmedia.com, Paulia, Paul, Paula Bulliard. Paula, thank you so much for joining today.
2: Hi, Stacey. It's good to be with you.
1: Hey uh, so okay you have this article over at PJ media which I've put into the show notes for the show so when the podcast goes live today everybody will be able to link that and follow through and I'll post it on Facebook it's it's, it's about this guy um, now I'm I'm only tangentially familiar with him I've heard of him I've heard of his book but it's not like I've been a huge fan of his or I've followed his work closely you know watched him on YouTube or anything like that but apparently this is a big huge deal because he's a leader or a faith leader or someone that is widely respected. And he's getting divorced from his wife of 20 years, and he's also basically denouncing Christianity and walking away from everything that he's written about for the entirety of his career as a public Christian.
2: Yeah, it it was really stunning for a lot of us. And um, he's not really well known in all circles, but especially amongst homeschoolers. family had a huge influence in the 80s and 90s. Um, Their family was featured on all the homeschool magazines as, you know, kind of the perfect family, all in matching outfits. And a lot of us who homeschooled kind of maybe put them on a pedestal as being the perfect family and, you know, something that we could all strive to achieve if we just did the right things and homeschooled the right way. But Um, you know, it's always sad when someone decides that they're no longer a Christian and falls into apostasy. Um, A lot of people ask me about this after I wrote the article about, um, you know, whether he was ever a Christian, but I believe that if someone says, I'm not a Christian anymore, it's the same as saying, I've never been a Christian, because once you're a Christian, you're always a Christian. There are no ex-Christians. But, you know, the the whole... um, there's a whole kind of backstory. A few months ago he sort of denounced his book, I Kissed Dating Goodbye, and some of the things he re a lot of the things he recommended in there. Um, made a documentary with some Hollywood types denouncing his um call for virtue before marriage and celibacy before marriage and then this announcement last week that he and his wife were divorcing and you know, it sounded sort of cel- not celebratory, but you know, like uh Very casual, not something that you know he's grieving over particularly. And then a couple days later, announcing outright that he's no longer a Christian.
1: Okay, so there's a feeling of devastation, and I've seen that in a. I just went online and kind of looked around, like what what are people saying about this? I, I read your piece, and then I kind of like what what are people saying? And what I'm seeing is obviously there's a mixed reaction. A lot of people are saying, okay, he's no longer a Christian. And they're, they're feeling devastated about it, like they've been hoodwinked. But that leads me to what you just said. Just a moment ago, you said, either you're a Christian or you're not. There are no ex-Christians. So could you expand on that a little more? I think there's probably a lot of people in the audience who are thinking, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, because we, we've all heard of people being backslidden and all of that. What, what are you saying specifically when you say you're a Christian or you aren't? If you are no longer a Christian, you really never were. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I, I base that on what the Bible teaches that, you know, God um comes after his lost sheep and that he won't let one of his sheep stray. Um, and also um teachings that, you know, about people who were with us once, they claimed to be of us, but they were never really of us, they were of the world and you know, that may be the situation that Josh Harris is in. Um you know, and I understand that different um, denominations, may have different beliefs on this, but I believe that the Bible is pretty, very clear that once you're saved, you're always saved, and we rely on God to um, keep us in his fold. It's not our doing, it's not our choice, it's he has called us, he's predestined us, and he'll keep us in his fold.
1: Um, So to me, that's that's a comfort. Again, not everybody (laughs) believes that, but I yeah, I, oh. I I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, that's, that's a comfort nothing, to me. There's nothing we can do. No.
2: Yeah, absolutely, that there's nothing we can do to um, get out from under God's umbrella um, once we're saved. Now, you know, a lot of people claim to be saved, and a lot of people, and I'm sure you know people as well, who walk the aisle at Vacation Bible School or raise mm-hmm. their hand and Someone told them you're saved, and you know a lot of those we have to question. If, if somebody goes 30 years and there's no fruit, there's no profession of faith, and I think we can probably safely say that person was a false convert. And I think you know a lot of um, the whole thing with the seeker-sensitive movement and trying to appeal, use the word "world" methods to um, get people into church um, caused a lot of false conversions and people who think they're saved and really are still in the world and not Christian.
1: So let's talk about that a little bit. So when you say the seeker uh, sensitive movement and, and for, for just for the the record, that's kind of an evangelical thing. Um, and, and it has spread out to other denominations, but some of what we're seeing, especially in the deeper conversations surrounding this, you know, this announcement by Josh are, these are things that have been discussed in, in the Christian world, um, uh, that have, you know, kind of like internal soul searching. Like, is the Christian, um, is Christianity best served by people in church mainly sitting there waiting to get fed while the pastor focuses on trying to win souls when church is really where the body of Christ were there to be fed and to continue to be sanctified? And so that has been an argument that's been raging going back and forth. And you're kind of highlighting that and connecting it to this story.
2: Yeah, um, I called it, I think I called it evangelical Inc. in the story. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there were just so many books in the 90s, everything from, you know, Bill Hybels to um, Rick Warren, um, The Purpose Driven Life, and all of these methodologies for how to get people into church, how to get backsides into churches, and with not a lot of um, focus on feeding those people. It, you know, just get them in church, and then God will save them, which really isn't the Bible's model. The Bible model is that the church is a place for believers to gather. And of course, we welcome unbelievers who walk through our doors, but primarily the programs, the, the teaching should be directed on people who are already Christians, and I think that's why it's kind of a flawed methodology. And I think... Um, that ties into josh 's book um, very much a methodology for um, you sort of promise if you want to have a happy marriage, if you want to have a good sex life, then follow these methods and and God will give you the desires of your heart which that's another unbiblical um, concept, but um, just the nineties were just so full of that seeker-sensitive methodology, instead of just relying—you know, I linked, I wrote the article and I posted it on my Facebook page, and my pastor's wife left a comment and said, you know, why can't we just rely on the Bible? Why don't we have all these books that God provided for us um, to teach us and to feed us, and instead we're relying on, on human methods and fallible, very fallible human beings, as we've seen— in a lot of these stories, and it's not just Josh Harris. We've seen other people leaving the faith or being removed from the pastorate because of immorality or, you know, a number of other things. And, and as I wrote in the article at PJ Media, I think it's probably going to be a, get a lot worse because I think there are a lot of, A, unsaved people in churches, and, B, people who were have a very um, watered-down doctrinally thin faith which isn't going to sustain them if persecution comes to america which i think it probably
1: will so uh, that uh, so you just perfectly segued into the next thing cuz so one of the things that i think has been a little frightening about the way um we, we see culturally the lgbt movement it's it's on the rise it's not even It's not even a movement anymore. It's more like a cultural phenomenon where a tiny segment of America, less than three to five percent of Americans are actually like they have a in in, the the homosexual tendency, I should say. Um, This this small, tiny group of people have now come to dominate all of our cultural um, institutions, television, Hollywood, um, even education, academia, and now they're working their way through government. We have our first openly gay, you know, presidential candidate. And there's a, there's a kind of inevitability about it where it feels as if there's nothing we can do to kind of slow the tide of where this thing is going. And if that's the case, the church will need to be even more, of a, of a bulwark in the storm where it's strong, where Christians can go there to be fed as opposed to sitting and listening to the pastor, you know, over and over again, try to get people who might be unsaved in the pews to be saved. They're going to need the meat, the, not the milk, the meat of God's word, how to be taught how to read it, how to understand it, how to put it into practice from the Bible.
2: Right, and, you know, if you look at other cultures where there's Christian persecution, um, I, I follow a Facebook feed for Early Rain Church. It's a church in um, China that's been severely persecuted, the pastor locked up, his wife locked up, you know, people being thrown in jail left and right from the congregation. And when you read things that that pastor wrote before he was locked up in prison, he wasn't writing about methodologies for getting people in church or having a hip youth group he was writing about focusing on Christ and focusing on our responsibility to bear the cross and to bear suffering for Christ's sake and to glorify God. You know, none of this crazy youth group stuff with youth pastors putting peanut butter in their armpits or whatever. It's, <laughs> you know, they're much more serious about it, and persecution has a way of focusing you, doesn't it? Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I miss the story about the peanut butter in the armpits and I I actually don't want to know. I think I that's probably more than more than enough for me. So uh, so you talk about persecution. Um now I was I was reading in your piece. I'm going back to it right here on my on my laptop here. Um so you, you said here, I'm quoting you, when all is said and done, years from now, we will point to some fads that became widespread in Christianity in the 90s and in the early part of the 21st century, particularly in evangelicalism that contributed to the falling away that we're seeing. And you're, you say a little further down, make no mistake, This shaking out of the church, the separation of the wheat from the tares does not signal the end of Christianity. I want to make that part, the, the, what we close out on here, and we just have a couple minutes left, For people who are feeling like these kinds of quote-unquote defections, these announcements, I'm not a Christian anymore, I'm getting divorced, I'm okay with LGBTQ, and then they see that and they, they feel stunned and devastated and they're hurt and they feel like something's wrong with Christianity, what's your answer to that? Right.
2: Well, obviously Christianity is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, you know, God warned us that there would be wolves among the sheep, that there would be false prophets. This is nothing surprising. It's not anything new. We're just seeing it more um, more visible because people have these huge social media platforms that can take to Instagram, and it seems like it's all around us. But if you look at local churches, you know, my local church is about 400 people, the church I attend, and... Faithful, faithful, godly people raising godly kids. And, you know, there are a lot of reasons to be very hopeful. Um, I think some things will probably have to go the, you know, shallow entertainment style Christianity, the um, meet my needs Christianity. A lot of that's going to go and, you know, good riddance to it because I don't think it, it really benefited the church and didn't represent Christianity well. So it's actually, I think, a good thing. I think at the end when we come out of this, whatever comes out of it, the church will be stronger, people will be more faithful, they'll be more more bold about their faith. And yes, there may be persecution with it, but um, maybe this has been a long time coming, and it's time that cultural Christianity, as we've sort of known it for many years in this country, is going to be replaced with something better, with a more authentic faith.
1: The kind of faith that sustains. And I'm I'm so glad that you said that our God and our faith Christianity they're the same today yesterday and forever and that we can rely on that and so it's it's a matter of us walking away or turning away not of God losing us as people cuz people are like oh he's you know he's turning away from the faith and etc well if you really have accepted Jesus Christ and he's really changed your heart that's impossible for you so a uh, fantastic article thank you Paula and especially for coming on today with your expertise All right. Talk to you again soon. We'll be back with more after this.
0: One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man. Your worst man. You, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihabprediabetes.org DiscovertheForest.org brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. What if I could tell you that a full-blown wildfire was going to occur tomorrow, right where you live? Tell you exactly which neighborhoods it would engulf and how fast it would do it. The first thing you would do is talk with your loved ones and make a plan today. It's true, I can't tell you a wildfire will strike tomorrow, but shouldn't you make a plan anyway? Go to Ready.gov/communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Good morning,
1: Ugly Uglyville!
0: Every ugly doll is unique. I'm Moxie. Bobo. Wade. Those close to me call me Slick Doll.
1: Which is not his name.
0: And every child is, too.
1: They can be pretty lovable.
0: That's why when you travel, you should make sure your child is in the right seat for their age and size. That sounds pretty great to me! Keep them safe by visiting NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Isn't that right, gibberish cat? Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Show him you love him. Keep him safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. It's 4 a.m., Monday, and you're literally sucking baby snot through a tube because she's congested. Man, that's love. And if you love her that much, love her enough to make sure she's buckled in the right car seat. To make sure your child's in the right seat for their age and size, visit NHTSA.gov slash seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right.
1: Hey, friends. Welcome back to the show. Uh, So I thought that was a really, really good, like if you need help explaining this to someone, you could just share the link to the show or you could listen to it with them. The, just the interview portion. The interviews usually on the program are at the 20 mark. So we come in from the second break and we have our guests. And I got to say, I when I read her article about the story, you know how it is. You see a story and you're kind of like, you know, what do I think about this? And we all have emotions about stories, right? You, we all have an emotional reaction when we read a story. And when I read a story about someone, for, first of all, we are all sinners. We can all commit the most dastardly depraved sins. So I'm not making my next statement out of a place of, look what he did. He's just horrible. And I'm just so good. It's not that at all. It's the opposite. I I know where I stand uh, at, you know, at the judgment seat, I would be found guilty if not for the work of Jesus Christ. So I am always, if I'm not reminding myself, God has sent someone to remind me and I've been freshly reminded. So I try to, that, that, that's where, where I know I am. That's my positioning saved by grace and grace alone. But when I hear that this, this guy, Josh has made this decision, if you will, um, that he's going to divorce his wife. Oh, you know, here we go. I'm not sure what that beeping is. Um, here we go. He's, he's saying that he's, um, He's he's saying that he's leaving his wife. So we know, as someone who's in the the in leadership in the church, that you're supposed to be the husband of one wife. So divorce is not an option as a Christian. And I and th- these are the the tough this, the tough conversations that keep you know they get you unfriended, they get you unfollowed. People don't want to hear it. And so I'm not I'm not saying stuff that, like it's not like I wrote the Bible or I I wrote the the edict on what we can do with marriage. And I know it's sometimes it's not a person's fault. They're divorced through no fault of their own because their spouse has divorced them. It's not like they said, hey, I want to get divorced. Their spouse divorced them. They tried to work it out. The spouse is, is you know, making that decision for them and it can happen to anyone. So that's why we have to be so careful with our marriages and our families. It's, it's, it's a hard road. No one ever said life was going to be easy or, you know, like an ice cream cakewalk. But when he makes that announcement first, and then he kind of follows it up with, I'm leaving the faith. And oh, by the way, I want to apologize to all the LGBTQ people for the hate that I've spewed. Grace is for everyone. He basically wants to say, I, I'm fine with the sin that you're committing, LGBTQ people. I'm fine with your sin. And also, by the way, I've got some sin I'm going to be engaging in here. And you know, go ahead and rubber stamp my sin and let's just all say that everyone's sin is okay. I have a problem with that. Uh, and, and it's not that he's free to do whatever he wants, but I'm also free to have the reaction that I have to what he's doing. And so I I don't, I again, I don't think it's the end of the announcements. I don't know what else he's going to say. Um But when we see the end of this, and I mean, you know, a year from now, two years from now. I wonder where he's going to be in when we talk about the satisfaction, because if he was never a Christian, he's never truly known Jesus Christ, and he's never truly known the satisfaction of giving his life to him. And so this act, this very public act, trying to defame the name of the Lord and to tear down Christianity with his own hands, it will not be successful, but it will have impacts and results on his life. And so it'll be interesting to see where he is in a few years and if he actually has someone who would bring him um, to the Lord, like really, truly, or if he, you know, if it's in this, again, people are calling it a defection. This action really ends up being, uh, you know, just a sign of the times in the chat room over on. And so I was just ch- double checking a couple seconds ago over here. Um, Big is in the chat room on YouTube today. Hey to everybody who's uh over at YouTube today just chatting and enjoying themselves. And Melody said it could this be the beginning of the great falling away and Big asked me a question. He said, "I think it feels that way because the Bible says it's going to be like Sodom and Gomorrah in the last days." And the Bible does say that. Um but there there is there is obviously The Bible is true. Obviously, there will be a a falling away. There will be, you know, the the everything will be helter skelter before the the second coming. Does this mean that that's exactly where we are? Well, I don't know. You know, take a look around. Um, I was saying on the radio this morning. I went on the Sam Malone show. I'm usually on the Sam Malone show out of Houston, Texas, every Monday morning, and I was saying that you know we have to protect ourselves and guard ourselves from this. It's a coarsening of our spirits. It's the way that we, we, we see what is happening in the world, right? And we begin to accept it. Like, I, I can think of a time in my adult life where the idea that sex trafficking was alive and well in America and that people were going into slavery in America would have been so horrifying, that there would have been outrage and there would have been, you know, someone would have organized a march and Hollywood would have gotten together and said, no way we can accept this. But because sex trafficking is going on in conjunction with illegal immigration, and the end goal is to flood the country with people from somewhere else so that they can vote for Democrats, then of course, sex trafficking is just an acceptable evil. It's the same thing with Planned Parenthood and abortion. Trafficking in human baby body parts would have been an outrage 10 or 15 or 20 years ago, but now it's not an outrage because it's an acceptable loss on behalf of the people who want to make sure that abortion is on demand, no questions asked, taxpayer funded, continues in America. So it's the coarsening that happens with us when we accept sin, when we're exposed to it and no one denounces it. When we see sin as a means to an end, these are the things that are driving us into the place that we're going into right now. And, uh, you know, Lisa Fox over on Facebook said a lot of quote finger Christians are falling away. <laughs> in other words, she agrees with Paula. She's not so sure they're Christians. Um, so yeah, it Lisa or anyone who's just tuning in, it's Josh Harris. Um, he's a writer and he was, a he was huge in the homeschool world, which I, we don't come out of that. Our daughter homeschooled her senior year, but it was more of a, uh, Vehicle for her to go to college as a senior in high school, as opposed to me actually homeschooling her. Um, I was just her high school administrator, really. I didn't, I didn't teach her anything, but I did manage, like I made sure she had enough courses and everything was copaesthetic, and that things would transfer. Um, He was big in that world because he had an impact in a movement that is still alive and well today, which says to teenagers, instead of dating and dating and dating and dating and dating and then you get out of high school and you've had your heart broken five or six times and you're you know emotionally you've just been taken through the ringer by all of these uh, relationships quote fingers and then you get to college and you have your first college boyfriend and then you have your second college boyfriend and by the time you're a senior again you you've spent a huge amount of time in college where you could have just been you know hanging out with friends um going to the movies getting your nails done, you know, swinging on a swing, whatever, sleeping, all that time you could have been studying, you spent, you know, fighting with a boyfriend, fighting some other girl over a boyfriend in these relationship issues. And the Bible has never called us to be daters. It calls men to be the husband of one wife and for women to be chaste. So when he wrote his book, I've, I've, uh, I want to give you the correct title. I was about to say something else. I Kissed Dating Goodbye. What he was, what he did was he kind of launched this movement where people stopped allowing their kids to fall into this American ideal of just, you know, just find somebody to date while you're in high school and have a boyfriend. You got to have a boyfriend. You got to have a boyfriend, and it was successful for a lot of people. And I, there are people that I know and respect to this day who have espoused this on their radio programs and and elsewhere where they've talked about, look, kids kids don't need to be dating when they're 16, 17, 18, 19. And when they turn 19, 20, 21, they're in college and they meet someone, instead of dating, which is basically just trying each other out for however much whichever one of you will allow, because sometimes it's the boys who don't want to go all the way with girls or don't want heavy physical contact. And it's the girls who have been brainwashed into thinking that being aggressive sexually is the way that they're supposed to go. And they're pushing it. What a lot of families that, and I even know a few families here locally, they're pushing for courtship. So they teach their kids courtship. In other words, don't bring someone over and tell me they're your boyfriend if someone wants to come over and say that they're looking to date you, that person is basically saying they're thinking of marrying you. They're interested in making a lifelong commitment to you. They're not making it yet. They're not proposing on the first, you know, first meeting, but they want to meet your family and see where you come from. They want to sit at your dining room table and eat the food and see how people interact with each other because it, you don't just marry the person. You marry the whole family. Um, and so that was a great thing. But if he wasn't a Christian, um, and, and God can use anybody, right? So God can use any person. He will use any person. In fact, that is the most unique thing, in in my opinion, of all the things that God does that are so amazing and, and beautiful. Sometimes I like, I have some these blue hydrangeas on my desk um, because I read an article that said that stress levels are lowered when you have uh, fresh flowers in the room. And I have a little plant. I have a little spider plant over there. Um, actually, it's not a spider plant. What is that called? Alligator plant? Lizard plant? It's the one with the... The leaves that go straight up, um, and it's really good for cleaning the air. And then I have these blue hydrangeas that were on sale at the grocery store the last time I was there. And sometimes when you look at a flower, I mean, not just in passing, but if you stop and you look at a flower and look at the way it's made, it's created, then you realize that God created that. And then you go look at another type of flower. If you just obsess yourself with any one thing that God has made, you realize his creativity is so astounding. It's so magnificent. But then if you even go a step further, And you look at how God will take people, flawed individuals who honestly, they have no business being mentioned anywhere or talked about anywhere, and he takes them and he uses them for his purposes and his glory. Then you know that whatever is happening with Josh Harris now, the book that he wrote, I Kissed Dating Goodbye, even if he denounces it and he says he's taking it out of print, that just means the copies that are in print are all the more valuable. And parents are still going to use the information in that book to help guide their children through a process that leaves them unscarred as adults. How many people do you know? And I'm, I'm speaking to the women in the audience now. How many women do you know or are friends with um, who have been in devastating relationships that have literally changed their personalities. I'm talking about someone that maybe you've known since high school, or maybe this woman is in your family and you've known her since she was, you know, you, you and she both were short enough to run underneath desks and stuff. And y'all, you know, you played hide and go seek together and you had sleepovers. And then that young woman, she, that, that child grows up into a, a young woman. She has a relationship and the relationship she has with such a dastardly individual or whatever the circumstances are, even if she plays a role in it, afterwards, her personality has changed. She's been hurt in a way that materially impacts who she is. That is all avoided when we tell our children, look, dating's not a game. It's not a sport that you participate in. And we're not going to help you set yourself up for hurt, harm, and danger emotionally with individuals who they want to use you for your body. They want to use you for status that they can have you on their arm and show you to their friends. They want to Spend time with you to give themselves pleasure, whether it's your company or things that you can do for them, like their homework or, you know, intimate things that you would do to them that they want done to them. We're not going to put you in a situation where that's going to be your goal is to keep dating until you land on somebody who you can get to marry you. Rather, you would have someone who would see you from afar and decide that he wants to choose you for his wife and come after you and approach us because he's so serious about you, knowing that he has to really earn you, that he can't just have you because he's good looking, or he has a cool watch, or his car is awesome, or he you know, posts the best meme on, on Snapchat, or whatever the thing is. This is a different way of looking at dating. And so I, I think it's the same concept that I took with Bill Cosby. So the fact that Bill Cosby was a serial rapist, or was convicted of serial rape, and all of these different things, doesn't change the fact that the Cosby Show was a really great representation of Black families in America, um, coming out of Hollywood. I mean, it could have been done better. There was some liberalism in it, but for for what Hollywood puts out, it's one of the best examples of Black family that they've ever produced. And the shows are wholesome and they're clean, and you can watch them with family. And so, I just I'm I'm not going to let go of our box DVD set of the Cosby Show all of the episodes that our daughter asked for for Christmas, like eight or nine years ago, and she watches it still to this day. I'm not going to give up on that just because Bill Cosby was convicted of a crime. Um, It changes how I see him. It doesn't change the product. And it's the same thing for Josh Wood's book. His book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye is still a great example of how you can talk to your kids about marriage and dating. For those who ask how I am, I'm a little on the tired side because we did a whole lot of work around the house this weekend, but I'm well. I'm doing well. God is good. Thanks for being here today.